Welcome. Welcome to episode 47 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is the continuing history of Tilt Wheel. Yes, Tilt Wheel Part 8, to be exact, in the series of Tilt Wheel Histories. In this episode, we are going to cover the year of 2004 of the Tilt Wheel family saga, kind of like the Star Wars, you know, the, the Skywalker family saga, filled with uh, dipshits and even worse CGI. I mean, when you're 2004, I was drunk a lot. You're drunk all the time. It's, life is kind of like bad CGI, just bad in general. A little both, a little both, maybe. That is kind of a bad comparison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Well, listen to this. One of the sagas is filled with robots, bad acting, and silly music. Played to a bar filled with weirdos. The other one has uh, spaceships and lasers. So there you go. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. There, there you go. You're welcome. Yeah, very good. There are lasers involved in one part of this shitwheel story, though we will get to that eventually. It's actually a pretty funny story. 2004 was a pretty good year for Tilt Wheel in a lot of ways. It really was, and, and it was bad in some others for me personally. There's some some things and stuff, you know, coming up. Don't worry, we're going to get to all that pretty thoroughly here, too. So I'm going to talk about the year 2004 and Tilt Wheel. Highlights, lowlights. We did some stuff. Yeah, we did a few things. We were working on a bunch of new songs in the year 2004 with Paul, and we ended up writing a bunch of the songs that ended up on the High Hate Us. That being said, the first song that's kind of playing in the background right now on this episode is the song, I Spent My Spring Break in Vancouver, British Columbia, and All I Got Was This Dumb Song, or Vancouver, for normal people would just call the, call the song Vancouver. You don't have to give it a fucking paragraph name, Davey. Yeah. This is not me playing drums on this recording. By the way, it is Paul. And Jay Wang is playing bass. The tilt wheel of the future. When you're talking about the year 2004, the tilt wheel of the pretty near future, actually. Vancouver was one of those songs that we wrote. I mean, really, Davey wrote during this time frame. And so is the last song I'm going to play on this episode, which is Fuck You Yams, or Yams for short is what we call it all the time. I think we actually wrote almost half of the songs on the hiatus while I was still in Tilt Wheel pre, you know, my quitting in 2005. Because I remember we used to play those songs live for like a couple years, 2004, 2005. We were playing a bunch of those songs live before my, uh, you know, my little vacation. Yeah. So... Long story short, the songs that I'm playing, I'm not playing drums on, but they're very appropriate for the times. Plus, I ran out of stuff to play, essentially, that had Paul, Davey, and I all playing the music at the same time. Because I don't really think there is an actual recording of just the three of us playing that I know of. Uh, maybe some live stuff. And we did record once at Davey's house in his kind of like downstairs area, his, his like basement, you know, cave area. But I don't know what happened to those recordings. I'm not sure. I didn't even ask Davey about it. He probably has them somewhere. Well, what else are we going to talk about on this episode? Beer? No. Uh, no. Um, I have a shock top here in front of me. Where's the pity? Let's try it. Oh, yeah. It tastes like fucking the horse piss. It's awful. Terrible beer, actually. Can't get Plan 9. Plan 9, I do have to say, is actually closed down now for the duration of the COVID-19 pandemic, outbreak, however you want to say it cannot get any plan nine beer at this time it's very sad yeah i'm not <sighs> that is how i feel about that honestly very sad 
So, yeah, I mean, it, to be serious for a second, it sucks. I mean, I, I hope all these businesses that are getting hit by this can survive, especially Plan 9. Aaron, the owner, is a fucking fantastic guy. He's an awesome guy. He runs a great business, great ideals, and has a lot of heart and makes a damn good beer. So here's to hoping they are back and stronger than ever when this is all done. Cheers. That's all I have to say about that. Well, why don't we just talk about Tailwheel for a bit then? All right, then let's have a few words from our friends at Red Brontosaurus Records first and then some Tiltwheel. Every week, Red Brontosaurus Records gets in a new batch of records just for you. Susie and the Banshees, Fugazi X, Nirvana, Subhumans, The Cure, Joy Division, and more have come in recently. That's just a sample of the fine records that Red Brontosaurus has available. Do you like video games? I love video games. Red Brontosaurus has a large selection of used video games and consoles and has a wonderful selection of new video game accessories such as controllers, memory cards, audio video cables, power cables, and more movies. Where would we be in these uncertain times without movies? Let me answer that. We'd be in hell. Red Brontosaurus Records has a very large and diverse selection of used DVDs, Blu-rays, and VHS tapes. Just remember, please be kind and rewind. Lastly, if you play the guitar or bass, Red Brontosaurus Records also has guitar and bass strings and instrument cables in stock now, just in time for your Instagram live performance that you fuckers keep polluting my feed with. No, we don't need to hear your version of Every Rose Has Its Thorns, you stupid piece of shit. But go to Red Brontosaurus Records for new strings and a cable. You'll need that to be in tune and to be audible for those Facebook Live events from your goddamn living room. Red Brontosaurus Records is located at 3044 North Parkway in the North Park neighborhood of San Diego, California. You can reach them by phone at 619-795-1282. Please do call ahead for hours of operation. You can also visit Red Brontosaurus Records on the web at www.redbrontosaurus.com. It was the year 2004, and things weren't going too well for Tilt Wheel. How was that? Is that good? Yeah. Oscar-worthy? I'm going to give myself a round of applause for that. Yeah, that wasn't that great. Morgan Freeman, by the way. That statement really isn't true either. At the start of 2004, things were going pretty good for Tilt Wheel as a whole. I would say we had Paul for a little over a year at least. By the start of 2004, Paul had been in the band for a little over a year. In January of 2004, we had just finished a week-long tour thing with Watch It Burn. A little bit of stress got added for me around that time. I had just started a new job in September 2003, and I was told when I started it that I could tour and go on vacation for as long as I wanted, as much as I wanted to. So I thought, well, great. Yeah, no problem. Okay, I can do that. I just won't get paid when I'm gone. Oh, that lasted all three months. When I got the okay to go on that Watch It Burn tour, my boss told me, uh, yeah, that's your last vacation for a long time. I said, shit. Well, all I had done, I went to Fest. I took like a week off because I was sick. And then I went out for another week with Watch It Burn. Well, actually, I came close to missing almost a whole month within my first three months of working at this job. So, yeah, I kind of get it. 
kind of get it. So no tours for a while, right? Yeah, well, fine. We did end up going to Punk Rock Bowling in 2004. That was the sixth annual Punk Rock Bowling, to be exact. I, at first, when I first started writing this, like scripting all this shit, I thought, well, I can't really talk too much about that Punk Rock Bowling in 2004 because I don't really remember shit from it. But no, no, I started thinking about it, writing stuff, and oh, fuck, it all came back, and a lot happened. It was it was probably one of the more ridiculous punk rock bowlings that we took part in, in a long series of ridiculous and just stupid punk rock bowlings. Stupid fun, to be sure, but yeah, I remembered a lot from it. So here's how it went. I had to work on the Friday that the punk rock bowling thing kind of all kicked off. So that Saturday morning at about 5 a.m., my buddies Ali... And Jack Doyle, and I think Todd, Todd Guff was with us now. Todd's not in Guff anymore, by the way, but we called him Todd Guff back then. Yeah, we all left San Diego at like 5 in the morning, hauled ass to Vegas to Samstown, where punk rock bowling was being held that year. I know if anybody's fact-checking me on some things out there, I know what you might be saying. The poster for the 6th Annual Punk Rock Bowling Tournament says it was at Castaways. Caught you red-handed, bobbled Trump. Yes. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Nope, nope. I have that poster actually right above my head. It, you can't see it, obviously, but it's right up on the ceiling in my little room here, and it does say Castaways on that poster, but no, the 2004 Punk Rock Bowling Tournament was not at Castaways, and kind of thank God, that place was kind of a, yeah, that was kind of shit. They had to change it last minute to Samstown, because Castaways like got raided by the feds or something, got closed down. And they had like a couple weeks or a week or something to reschedule, find a new place. And Samstown, yeah, bring them in. Samstown is way, way, way the fuck off strip, just like Castaways was. If you're leaving the strip headed towards Hoover Dam, you drive right past Samstown off Boulder Highway in Vegas. So, yeah, it's kind of way the fuck out there. I'm sure Samstown was like, yeah, let's get these, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people in our hotel rooms, in our casino, in our restaurants, in our bowling alley. Let's get them in here. So they did, and it was fucking great. Really, really great. Since Ali and the rest of us had left San Diego around 5 a.m., we got to Samstown very early that Saturday morning. That was February the 7th of 2004, by the way. We met up, you know, like normal people do, at the bar at like, you know, 9, I think it was like 9, 10 in the morning at the, at the latest, no traffic or anything like that on our way out there. We met everybody at the bar, and we promptly started drinking. We didn't have anything to lose. You know, except for the goddamn bowling tournament, which the drunker you are, the easier it is to lose a bowling tournament, right? That was always kind of our goal anyway. Don't tell anyone that. But yeah, that we did kind of make a conscious decision. We are going to lose every tournament we can, no matter what we have to do. And we really, even if we tried, we still would have lost. We're that bad of uh, bowlers. Yes, that's for sure. So we drank. Yeah, we got to the bar. We started drinking. I met Frankie Stubbs for the second time in my life. He came out for the punk rock bowling tournament and have fun. I think he ended up getting married at that one or something, you know, um, something like that. And what were my first words to him when Davey kind of reintroduced us? Well, of course, me being a dumbass, I asked him about Dickie Hammond. And Frankie told me to more or less go fuck myself. I did, I totally, totally deserve that. If you know anything about Frankie and Dickie's relationship from Leatherface... At that time in history, you know, that uh, you would not talk to Frankie about Dickie. It was a, a sensitive subject for him. 
it truly was. And uh, of course, I picked the worst question you could possibly ask him. And yeah, he let me know that wasn't cool. I do believe I forgot how to be a decent and respectful human being there for a second when I asked him that question. I apologize, Frankie, to this day, I truly do. Well, then we slept because we got pretty drunk that morning, went to our hotel rooms and slept. And when we took a nap, that kind of late morning, early afternoon nap, we discovered our new bass player, Paul, had a unique talent. He could sleep with his eyes open. Yeah, that was one of the fucking creepiest things I've ever seen in my life. We got up from our little nap and we bowled that Saturday and we got fucking shithoused. Oh my God. I don't remember much of the rest of that Saturday, like bits and pieces really. And I do actually do have a really good memory for some reason. I really do. And I can't remember too much, but I do remember this. This is the most important part. Lasers and water. Now, lasers and water. See, Samstown is a fucking giant place. It's a casino, hotel, a bowling alley. And there's a park right in the center of Samstown, and it's called Mystic Falls Park. What is Mystic Falls Park? Well, it's a magic place. That's what it is, kind of like Disneyland for drunk people. There are a bunch of animatronic animals all around. It really, it's fucking weird. And it's kind of like this whole Western-themed area. Really, here, I'm just going to read you from samstownlv.com, their description of Mystic Falls Park. Here we go. Take a leisurely stroll in the park day or night in Mystic Falls Park at Samstown. Relax to the sound of a rolling waterfall, complemented by the soft chirping of birds in live trees reaching up toward the skylight ten stories above. That's, boy, that, that sounds lovely, doesn't it? That sounds really nice, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Suddenly, the serenity is interrupted with the urgency of a wolf's call howling from atop the waterfall. It's the beginning of sunset, stampede, laser light, and water show. The mountain in the Mystic Falls Indoor Park comes alive as the sunset stampede chronicles the Western Pioneer experience with music, dancing water, and a state-of-the-art laser light show considered one of the best free shows in the Las Vegas Valley. The Sunset Stampede Laser Light Show is an experience you won't soon forget. Thank you, Sam's Town. Thank you very much. Yeah, relax to the sound of a rolling waterfall, complemented by the soft chirping of birds in live trees, blah, blah, blah. When we were there, this is, uh, this is how that should have been written. Tense up to the annoying sounds of 20 drunk San Diegans singing, Ali, 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 Ali. Ali, Ali. Yeah, that was, we were singing for our friend Ali, uh, the sound of breaking beer bottles and the natural sense of fat dudes who drank too much beer farting every fucking 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, that place, that was kind of the best thing and the worst thing. I think, I think we spent all of that Saturday night at the Mystic Falls Park. And I think it was our pals in, in the Kolob band that told us all about it, that kind of told everybody about it. I had always thought that, that our friend Bearpaw discovered the place. but I, So I asked him, and guess what? He corrected me. Bearpaw says it was maybe Juggy, Jeff, or Snakey, or a combination of all three of Kolob that turned us on to a place that they were calling at the time the Beaver Bar. A bar in this weird part of the casino had a little mountain and a waterfall and a bunch of animatronic animals. Animatronic beavers, specifically. So the guys in Kolob called it the Beaver Bar. Did I get it? Easy, yeah. We all went to the Beaver Bar after bowling that first Saturday, and we got fucking shithouse. Every single one of us I got fucked up. And plus, 
we were like recruiting people to come hang out. We wander through the casino from, hey, that guy looks like a punk. Hey, dude, come fucking check this place out. Come on, come have a beer with us. We were ordering beer by the case at the bar. They were delivering beer just like in the previous year's award ceremony for punk rock bowling at that cantina place. We took that ethic here to the Beaver Bar, to the Mystic Falls, whatever the fuck, and put that in motion to get as much beer at once as we could get. They were bringing beer to us on hand trucks, in cases, cases, and cases. I do remember at one point, Bear Pog handed him his credit card and said, bring me as much beer as you can right now. And dude rolled out with like five or six fucking cases of beer. Holy shit. Yeah, and we're, <laughs> it gets better. It does get a little better. We're all sitting there drinking, fucking being idiots, making noise, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, we hear this, ow! And fuck lasers. Holy shit. Water flying in the air. Colored lights. On. The music's super loud. Like banjos. Oh, what the fuck is going on in this place? Yes. Oh, yes. The laser and light and water show at the Mystic Falls Park. Oh, boy. That hit us pretty hard. That really left quite the impression, I should say. It was life-changing in a lot of ways. That's how the Beaver Bar Mystic Falls Park became our headquarters for that weekend, unless we had to be somewhere else, which we did the next day Sunday for more bowling. I'm just, for this part, I'm just going to read you a little part of an article written by a gentleman by the name of Jim Ruland, which I believe originally appeared in Razor Cake sometime in 2004, though I did find this on another website, some random like local newspaper thing online. But I remember reading this in Razor Cake at some point in Jim's column in Razor Cake because he's been a columnist for a very long time. So let me just read that to you real quick. No one pushes these boundaries farther than Team Tilt Wheel, who have managed to come in last every year they've entered. Speaking of the bowling tournament, by the way. And they work very, very hard at it. They have been known to bowl barefoot, shirtless, and even in the buff. That means naked, by the way. Masters of the improvised delivery. They have experimented with the discus throw. The drop kick and the headbutt via a headfirst slide down the beer-splattered lane. Blood is simply one more thing to laugh at for the reckless San Diego band and their crew. In an effort to minimize collateral damage, the organizers from BYO Records have banished Tilt Wheel to the far end of the alley, which seemed like a wise move when one of them hucked a ball with such violence that it jumped out of the gutter, careened down the passageway, banged open the door to the pin-setting equipment, and disappeared, much to the delight of the throng of wasteoids cheering the team on. <laughs> How dare you, Jim Rowland, call our friends wasteoid. And probably us, too. I think wasteoid applied to all of us. Visiting the tilt wheel end of the bowling alley, I was reminded of a line from Naked Lunch. The lighted cafe was a diving bell, cable broken, settling into black depths. The territory they'd staked out was every bit as uncharted, and the inhabitants resembled a species of homo sapiens seldom seen sober, and then not for very long. When things got out of hand, Sean Stern had to play the heavy, and I quote, I told them to cool it, or the bowling center will shut you down and you'll have to forfeit. Then you won't be able to lose, end quote. There is a method to Tilt Wheel's madness. BYO gives a prize to the last place team. The first year Tilt Wheel won, their beloved and big-bellied ringleader Davey Tilt Wheel took the gay porno movies they received as a booby prize and sold them on eBay, 
making enough money to buy a new catalytic converter for the tilt mobile or our van, I guess you could say. And now he quotes Davey. Our handicap is so huge. We could easily win if we tried. Davey told me, but where's the fun in that? Trying sucks. And there you go. That sums up tilt wheel bowling pretty good until wheel in general, in some ways too. Is tilt wheel a catastrophe waiting to happen? Or my thought is tilt wheel is more like a disaster happening. Tilt wheel, the past especially, was more like a disaster happening kind of in real time, right before your eyes, unfolding, pandemic, catastrophic, earthquake, fucking universe swallowing bullshit. Yes, indeed. But we did have a lot of fun. I have to say that. Oh, man. There, there was seriously no lack of fun anytime we bowled at a punk rock bowling tournament. So we came in last place again that year, 2004. Manic Hispanic played the award ceremony once again. We got even drunker at the award ceremony and we went home. And, well, fuck, I remember that drive. Oh, my God, I was so hungover. I know. I know I'm not supposed to complain because I wasn't driving. I know this. Oh, God, that was a rough one. Yeah. Oh, I was so fucking hungover. Oh, boy. That's really the only thing I, I don't miss about punk rock bowling now is that drive home, being super hungover. We did go. We we went in 2019. Now, we didn't bowl. We didn't have a bowling team. We toured around with that idea. We might have done it in 2020, but it, the whole thing got canceled for now. But in 2019, we played a show at one of the little venue things they did for punk rock bowling. We stayed for a night. You know, I think I actually drank more coffee than beer, but I had a fucking great time. Truly a great time. And the ride home was fine and great. Hangover free. And that, my friends, is called progress, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, next up for Tilt Wheel in 2004 was a week-long tour to Portland, Oregon, and back in the spring of 2004. We were meeting up with our friends from Tampa, Florida's The Dukes of Hillsborough, and the band Altera, our friends from San Diego, were already on tour with the Dukes. We were going to meet them in Portland. Then we were going to drive back and hit a few shows on our way back from Portland to home. The first night, we drove all night from home to get to Portland. Correction, Davey drove all night. In the van was Paul, Davey, myself, and our good friend Josh Mosh. And we were actually in Josh Mosh's van. Paul, Josh, and I drank the entire drive up. Big surprise there. When it was time for Davey to sleep, that's a pretty heavy-duty drive. I think 12 hours from San Diego or so. Maybe, eh, maybe 10, 11, something like that. We stopped at Josh's friend's buddy's house in Redding, California to sleep for a bit before finishing the trip the next day. That correction, it's actually Josh's friend Buddy's parents' house where Buddy also lived. That was kind of weird. We were all crashed out in this family's living room. They got up for work, made breakfast. You know, dad was reading the paper. Mom was cooking bacon, that kind of thing. That was weird. But Buddy was a super rad guy. When we first met him, we played in Redding on this that little tour with Grab Ass and Billy Reese Peters in 2003, and he was there, and we met him there. Super, super nice dude. Josh knew Buddy from when they were kids. Josh grew up in Redding and now lived in San Diego. It's a yeah, small world. We did make a short stop in Shasta Lake the morning after we slept at Buddy's house on our way to Portland to visit Josh Mosh's childhood home. It was for rent. And we're standing there looking at this place and a fucking truckload of rednecks pulled up and basically say, well, what are you guys doing here? You know, Josh said, oh, this is a house I grew up and we just stopped by to take a look at it. 
And they're like, well, why don't you guys just keep on fucking moving then, you know, or some shit. Like, oh, all right, you know, fuck you. So we took off. Now, these rednecks pretended like this place, this house was theirs. They were renting it. One of Josh's relatives still owned the place and was renting it to these fucking idiots. And they decided that it was already their house. They didn't even fucking live there yet. I found that out like in hindsight, you know, afterwards in hindsight kind of thing, whatever. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Pieces of shit. Shasta Lake and Redding, it is literally filled with truly horrible white people for the most part. I, I hate to generalize any time, but they are the biggest pieces of shit. White trash, just fucking vile, nasty, Trump-loving, like fucking crazy tweaker people. Dude, Jesus Christ. It really, ask anyone who's ever lived around Shasta Lake or Redding, and they will tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, it's fucked up up there, really fucked up. And it's too bad, because that area, it's really beautiful. It's hot as fuck during the summer. It's miserably hot, but it's really, like, truly a beautiful place. Really very, very pretty. Yeah, pretty fucking lame. Well, we stopped at Shasta Dam. We drank some beer, took our shirts off for a little bit as we walked along the top of the dam, kind of had our own little four-man shirts off party kind of thing. Uh, eventually, we did make it to Portland. The very first night, we didn't have a show, so we drank. We stayed at our friend Gary's really nice house in Portland. Gary is an old homie from Escondido, for the record, one of our great, great friends for years and years. That next night in Portland, we had a show at a place called the Twilight Cafe, Night one, yes, first time we're going to play. We've already been on the road for two days, and we are going to actually play a show. The show was good, really fun, super, super fun. Had a great time drinking, playing, blah, blah, blah. When it came time to get paid, though, get our gas money, you know, maybe money for a little food or something like that, that kind of thing. You know, touring bands kind of need that to keep going. Uh, even though it was a short tour, we definitely could have used that money. We went up to get paid. And they told us that between the three bands, Altera, Dukes of Hillsboro, and Tilt Wheel, we had drank every dime that they were going to pay us. They kept giving us free beers all night. Oh, that was a bad move on their part. Fuck. Yeah, so we didn't get paid anything. I think we might even have owed them money. And I'm, we probably did. And we're like, okay, yeah, we'll be. It's out in the van. We'll go get it. You know, put, fuck you. Yeah. So uh, no, didn't get paid the first night. But it was a great show. It was really fun. Uh, we did get, well, I should take that back. We did get paid. We got paid in PBR Tallboys. That's kind of par for the course, you know, when you're a band like Tilt Wheel. After that show, we went to a graveyard and drank some more because that's what rational adults do. Drink beer in graveyards at three in the morning. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The next morning at Gary's house, I did commit one of the cardinal sins of touring and staying at someone very nice and kind's home. I clogged his toilet very, very badly, and I could not unclog it. And I mean, I fucking clogged that motherfucking toilet so, so bad. Yeah, they so bad they probably had to call a plumber. No shit. Or a lot of shit, actually. Uh, sorry, Gary. Very, very sorry to this day. That's the second time I've apologized for something that happened 16 years ago on this podcast. Take note of that. So the Altera Dukes Tilt Wheel Convoy made its way south to Chico, California after that Portland show and toilet clogging incident. The next stop, and we played at a record store. Eh, another show, whatever. Nothing special. Next day after that, the day after the Chico show, we headed to San Francisco, and we had kind of a weird show in San Francisco. 
we couldn't get any shows kind of in the Bay Area for some weird reason. I don't think we booked it. I think maybe Jay from Altera booked it, but he did end up finding us a show. We were able to jump on like a bigger punk rock show at the bottom of the hill. I think it was the bottom of the hill. I'm almost positive it was the bottom of the hill. None of the bands in our little caravan, in our little group, were allowed, though, to play a, sh- a set at this show until that regular show ended at midnight and that show was done at midnight and then we could go all go on and play we weren't going to get paid either we set everything up we all shared all of our stuff we had a really fucking great show it's one of those surprising shows like oh this isn't going to be good this is going to kind of suck and plus we had been drinking since like 2 p.m that day or i had been people from the previous show stuck around we had a really great night really great show yeah it was super fun yeah And I actually got to ride the BART into the city from the east for the very first time ever. It's really cool. You go under the bay to get into San Francisco when you head in from the east. God, I fuck, I love that town. I really, really do. And I love the Bay Area in general. I truly do. Okay, next stop, the Anarchy Library in Downey, California. And that's kind of sort of L.A. area. I've said this before. The Anarchy Library is neither a library or very anarchy-oriented, just kind of a punk rock dive bar. Eh, it's an okay place, but that just the name, it's disappointing with what it really was. We played with the Groovy Ghoulies that night. Okay, well, whatever. Never was much of a fan. But I will say this, Kebby Ghoulie is one of the nicest human beings on Earth. I wanted to get that out there, kind of state that for the record. The next night, I think we had a show in San Diego. The end. Yeah, that's it. Not much interesting happened on that tour. Why did I even bring it up, you might want to ask. Why did I even talk about it? There's a couple little funny things in there, I guess. There's a reason, and here it is. At the Anarchy Library show, me and Jay were sitting there drinking and talking before the show. And now Jay was the singer-guitar player guy in Altera. And if you've kind of put two and two together, he's Tilt Wheel's future bass player as well. And, you know, main man in Dan Padilla as well. There you go. Jay is a very prolific and a super incredibly rad dude, by the way. Their tour had been going for a week before Tilt Wheel joined up with Dukes of Hillsborough and Altera. So it's just Altera and the Dukes at first. And it's weird. They started in like South Dakota or Montana or something like that and worked their way kind of, you know, southwest to Portland or kind of west to Portland. And Jay was telling me at this Anarchy Library show, man, this tour was great until Tilt Wheel showed up. <laughs> oh, fuck. Here we go. <laughs> See, we we really didn't get paid <laughs> until the Anarchy Library show. Anarchy Library is pretty far from Portland. And from driving up to Portland, I mean, that's probably like, I don't know, fuck, $300 worth of gas at least, something like that. And that's, you know, and just from Portland to Anarchy Library, that's two bands and two vans. That's rough, you know, with no money, not getting paid anything. Jesus Christ, that equals cash. And we were not getting the cash. So Jay was telling me basically, before you guys showed up, there were a bunch of people. The shows were fucking great. We got paid like really good enough to cover our gas and get food. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Buy beer until wheel shows up. No money. The shows were like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh boy. Now that was kind of the first time I ever remember the tilt wheel curse being mentioned. Yes. 2004 and 2005 were big in the tilt wheel curse department. You'll see for now. Why don't we hear a few words from our friends at 
Pomp's Not Dead Pomade. Then we'll be back with part two and more of the Tilt Wheel Curse. Stay tuned. For those of us who need to control unruly hair, hair that literally does whatever it wants other than what you want it to, there is a need for hair management products, especially pomade. I love pomade. I use it daily. Well, quality pomade, that is. The stuff you can buy at your average drugstore or grocery store doesn't hold a candle to superior quality hair care products like Pomp's Not Dead Pomade. Pomp's Not Dead Pomade is home brewed in small batches and is made from the highest quality ingredients known to man. Pomp's Not Dead Pomade has several varieties of pomades available, such as the Pomp's Not Dead Original Pomade, a medium hold oil based pomade, and the Jet Set Alexa, also a medium hold oil based pomade. Pomp's Not Dead Pomade also offers the Royal Oil beard oil to help tame the rebellion right out of that beard of yours. Visit Pomp's Not Dead Pomade on their Etsy page, www.etsy.com, and search for Pomp's Not Dead or Pomp's Not Dead Pomade. And take a look at the reviews of this fine product. Every review of the Pomp's Not Dead Pomade products is a testimony to the quality of the Pomp's Not Dead Pomade products through the words of those that have actually used the product and enjoyed them thoroughly. You can also visit www.pompsnotdeadpomade.com for more products and information. Handcrafted in small batches, Pomp's Not Dead has the pomade and hair care products that you need to look and feel your very best. Did somebody mention a curse? I was talking about the tilt wheel curse. It sounds pretty menacing, doesn't it? Eh, I guess. You be the judge of whether or not tilt wheel had a curse at that time after I kind of tell you tilt wheels tales of woe here. We did have a few years of some bad luck. And to me, I would say it started after Aaron wasn't in the band anymore. In some ways, the whole time Aaron was in the band, things were kind of constantly moving up for tilt wheel until he was gone we were getting record deal offers we we're getting better and better shows all the time offers to go on tour with kind of bigger bands etc cetera, etc cetera. you know that may not be a sign of success but it's a lot better than three dipshits playing in a racquetball court in escondido too so it, you know and i get too that i might have a little bit of a misplaced theory on this curse starting when Aaron was gone because those were our first like three years or whatever. So of course the band, if you keep at it, you're going to get better and better and things are going to improve. Okay. I think it was a little extreme though in some ways. And here we go. I'm going to talk about that. Ross came along and no shit. It was fuck. I love the Ross years. I do. I mean, I fucking love those years. So, so much Ross. I love him so much. Japan, England, we toured all over the place. We put out Hairbrained. Those were fucking great years. Truly, really, really great years. Well, here comes the curse, though, back in action. Ross quit while we're kind of at like a little bit of a peak of our stuff, I guess, in a way. Uh, the label that put out Hairbrained Schematics in the United States uh, more or less went belly up right 
you know, not terribly long after it came out, maybe a year or so, and the dude that ran the label went to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, after Ross left, if you've listened to some of the other Tilt Wheel histories where I talk about this, I ended up quitting for a while. You know, we couldn't win a fucking punk rock bowling tournament to save our lives. You know, that's the curse in action right there. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, no, it's not. Davey left. You know, bass player Jared passed away. And that's, yeah, that's something I really don't want to joke about. To be totally honest with you, in the curse, it's, yeah, obviously, it's kind of a joke. Let's strike that from the record, Your Honor. Paul came along. That's not a curse. That was great. Paul was a fucking angel for coming in the way he did and playing bass. There are other little things, but it just, it's sometimes it really seemed like Tilt Wheel couldn't catch a break. You know, but kind of like shows falling apart, tour stuff falling apart, vans breaking down, that kind of thing. Well, that's enough on the curse for now. Let's move on and talk about some good and some fun stuff. Because realistically, there was always so much good and fun stuff we were up to. Curse be damned. We always had a good time. The Rhythm Chicken. Have you ever heard of the Rhythm Chicken? Have you ever heard of the Milwaukee Brewers mascot, the Rally Rabbit? Yeah, the baseball team, Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah. No? You haven't? Let me tell you about the Rhythm Chicken. The Rhythm Chicken is a person, yes, a human being from Wisconsin. What he does is he brings the ruckus. Yes, he brings the ruckus. He puts a giant rabbit head on, grabs his drums, and does like a commando-style raid into public places, bars, restaurants, stuff like that, sets up his drums, and starts playing. That's that's the rhythm chicken. Usually, he is greeted with quite a bit of confusion, you know, some laughs, and eventual applause and appreciation for his his art. Yes, if you call art, yeah, it's art. Then he's out. He leaves you kind of like scratching your head going, God, what, what the fuck just happened? What was... Did a guy wearing a giant, like, rabbit head just run in here, set his drums up, play for a couple minutes, and then leave? Yes, that's exactly what happens when the Rhythm Chicken comes to town. And also note this, too. This is important to this story. The Rhythm Chicken claims that he likes to drink a lot, quite a bit, by most people's reckoning. Yes, he says he likes to drink a lot. Well, the Rhythm Chicken came to San Diego to spend a day and a night with Tilt Wheel, until we all had to teach this upstart chicken a few things about drinking. We started out our day and night with the Rhythm Chicken day drinking at Davy's house, and the house I also lived there at the time. Our good friend Todd from Razor Cake came down, as well as our good friend Megan Pants. We had a show that night at Chasers, what is now is the Soda Bar in San Diego. But before that, we were going to kind of take the Rhythm Chicken out on the town, show him the sights, and let him do his thing wherever he kind of felt like it would be a good idea to do his thing. So our first stop was a fine place known as Pounder's Sports Pub in Escondido, home of the drunkest white trash tweakers you will ever meet in your entire life. The Rhythm Chicken set up out on the sidewalk in front of Pounder's and did his thing, and a fine gentleman drinking in the bar rolled out in his wheelchair and called us all faggots. Oh, fucking, yeah, fucking dipshit. The first time, that's the first time I got called that since I was in, what, high school? Yeah, fuck, welcome to Escondido, boy. So after Mr. Handicapped Gay Slur person, we moved our asses on to sunnier shores, uh, Mission Beach in San Diego, to be specific, the home of Belmont Park Amusement Park. Now, Belmont Park is right on the beach. It was kind of early summer, late spring, a Saturday evening. It was a crowded area for sure. We all grabbed a piece of the drum set, 
The rhythm chicken was using my drums, by the way. He set up near the roller coaster, did his thing. Then we commandoed inside of a pizza place right around the corner, did his thing in there. Then we went to a bar, ran in there. He did his thing, went down just like I said. You know, people at first were like, what the fuck? Then they're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Then clap applause. And then we all run out and they're going like, what the fuck just happened? Why did, why the fuck did that happen? Oh, but this is also important to note here. Uh, we were all drinking pretty much that entire time, all day into the evening. Oh, boy. So we got to Chasers eventually. We hung out in the van, and we kept drinking more and more and more in fucking infinity drinking pretty much. The Rhythm Chicken, by that point, he was getting a little worse for the wear. If I remember this correctly, he was getting pretty shit-faced. And so the rest of us were too, for sure. Tilt wheel, we set all of our stuff up getting ready to play. The rhythm chicken came on and did a sing. And I think he was so drunk that he fell off of the drum stool, the, the throne, pardon me, the me, Mr. Drummer can't even call it by the right nomenclature, you know, have drum throne. <laughs> well, whatever the rhythm chicken fell off of the fucking drums. Then it was tilt wheels turn to play. Yeah. We were pretty fucking wasted. The lights were out. I think we were too drunk to notice that the lights were out. And you know what happened? We fucking tore into that set and i swear to everything that is holy we played fucking flawlessly probably the best till wheel set that has ever happened ever straight into it just just charged straight through every song every song was perfect i even i was in shock and by the end i was like what just happened what the what the fuck just happened how did we do that? We're all wasted. Like, there's no way. We've been drinking all day and all night, and we did this amazing thing somehow. I don't know. Uh, maybe the alcohol had something to do with it. I don't know. I have tested that theory since then, you know, getting really, really shit-faced drunk and playing drums. And no, it doesn't normally work out that well. No, it, it truly doesn't. I don't know. Maybe all the stars were properly aligned that night. I have no idea. But... We did end up drinking the Rhythm Chicken under the table that day and night, and he did write about it later on in his Razor Cake column, which was called The Dinghole Report. <laughs> yes, The Dinghole Report. The Rhythm Chicken said, and I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing because I couldn't find the damn column. I have every Razor Cake ever made pretty much, too. I couldn't fucking find it. He said he didn't understand how it was humanly possible for three people to drink as much as we did and still play as good as we did that night. We really impressed him. We blew his mind somehow. The only person in history to that ever have had their mind blown by Tilt Wheel, I'm sure. And he said as much in that column. It was really flattering. It was really nice. I was like, oh, well, thank you. I'm, that was, that was, uh, I appreciate you, Rhythm Chicken, to this day. I do. I really do. And that, and that is, and let me just state this again for the record. That is a person that very routinely in their column tells tales of drinking like massive amounts of beer and going out playing, going to shows, doing this and that. And till we all drank that fucking rabbit under the table. Yeah. Pfft, what curse? No, that maybe that broke the curse. Uh, no, 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 I don't, I don't think so. There's more to come on the curse. Yeah. Maybe till wheels just cursed to be awesome. Uh huh. Let's move on to what might actually be an example of the tilt wheel curse in action. Uh, till wheels attempts to play, a show on the 4th of July in 2004. The 4th of July had been kind of a tradition for Tilt Wheel to play 
like a party somewhere, and especially one of San Diego's beach communities, usually Ocean Beach or OB. That's where we ended up. We had a lot of friends down there through the years, and we'd end up playing a party. Kind of, it was kind of like a tradition for us, for sure. We did that most years. In 2004, we had quite the uh, 4th of July planned. We really did. A couple of bands from out of town were joining us in the 4th of July festivities. One of those bands was Hightower from San Francisco, and the other band was Streets from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Now, Streets stands for Skateboarding Totally Rules, Everything Else Sucks. And if that's not the best band name ever, I will eat my fucking hat. Um, I am not wearing a hat, though, for the record. Well, we were setting out to play more than just a July 4th show. We had a couple other shows with these guys, too, with Hightower and Streets. One in Long Beach at a place called Taco Beach. The party on the 4th in OB. And I think we might even have had one more show. I couldn't remember that, though, so don't quote me on that. Let me ask you a question, though. What do you think is special about the 4th of July in San Diego's beach communities? What do you think is special? Oh, partying. That's what's special about it. Shit gets nuts down there, or used to. I I probably still does a little bit. In Ocean Beach, Pacific Beach, Mission Beach... All those beaches, people are fucking partying all day and all night. Usually in our past experiences, it had been a great time, no hassle. We could play like a daytime party and drink and have a ton of fun. Maybe go down to the beach and drink more. You know, light bottle rockets out of our friend Rob's ass. Uh, watch some fireworks and go home. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that did happen. We, uh, we did light bottle rockets out of our good friend Rob's ass one year. I don't know if we lit him or if just he did, because I don't know if anybody wanted to get, get that close to his ass. Yeah, I think he actually just did it. Yeah, n- none of that this year. Nope. Nope. The year 2004, that was kind of a bullshit 4th of July. We tried. Oh, God, we tried. We tried so hard to play. The first stop was a party in Ocean Beach. Streets set up. They were using some of our stuff, too, for sure. They played a set. They made it all the way through. Tilt wheel. We were throwing our shit up, getting ready to play. The cops showed up. Eh, woo! You know, ah, fuck. Okay. One good thing about the 4th of July is there's a lot of parties. So we get broken up and somebody's like, hey, my buddy said, you know, you guys could go play at his house a few blocks down. Oh, okay, cool. So, you know, we go to another party somewhere else. This time, Hightower got all set up. They played. No problem. Nothing. Till we got all our shit set up. Had it all lined up, ready to go, like sitting down on the drums. Woo! Cops again. Fuck. Okay, we break everything down, load it back up in the van. What are we going to do now? Well, we heard of another party someplace in like San Diego proper, the Golden Hill or someplace like that. Some band was playing, and by that time, I remember being like really nervous, like, oh, fuck, we're not going to get the play. Should I even set my shit up? Like now I go, okay, okay, I'm going to chance it. Yeah, yeah. Let's set up. We're going to make it. We're going to play this time. We're going to do it. It was inside. Not It was loud as fuck. I go, yeah, but still, we're going to do it. We're going to make it through this. Got everything set up. The band finished. Put everything up. Sat down on the drums. Woo! Oh, fuck me. Are you fucking serious? Yes. The cops showed up again. We, again. We set everything up three times. I'm not fucking kidding. We had everything set up. We're putting it up there or it was already set up and the cops would show up, shut down three times in one day. By the way, that was an all day thing. 
No, no. It started at like noon. And by the time we finally got decided like, oh, we're completely shut down. It was like eight o'clock at night. It was like eight hours of this shit. You know, we were drinking and having fun a little bit, but yeah. Oh my fucking God. By the 4th of July nighttime, we were like, okay, let's just find a bar to play at or something. So I think we went to Chasers and I think we actually talked them into letting us all play and we played a set. I don't think there was that many people there. And who cares? Whatever. It was pretty fun though. I remember. Yeah. Fuck it. There you go. That that's the, one of the best examples of the tilt will curse because it's never happened before or after that event. Oh boy. That was a rough day. Yeah. That was the curse in action. Yeah. But it was a fun day. Then I'll tell you though, setting up and breaking down your drum set three times that, yeah, that's not fun. Is it? No, it's not fun. It was pretty funny. We did have a pretty good weekend with streets and Hightower. Either way, I remember the talk either way. Yep. The Taco Beach show in Long Beach was really fun, and that place was rad. The Toys That Kill people had something to do with that place. I think maybe Todd from Toys That Kill did sound there, maybe did booking, something like that. And Taco Beach was right in downtown Long Beach. Kind of in the middle of the area where all the bars and restaurants and stuff are, where, where all the frat asshole guys went and like sorority girls and, you know, fucking whatever. A bunch of bars, you know, a bunch of gangbanger types all roaming around. Everybody's looking to get laid. Yeah, blah, 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 whatever. Taco Beach, though, that was a great place. It was a, it was a bar and it was also a sit down Mexican restaurant that if you were playing there, they gave you a free entree or free meal. Oh, that food was so good. Really, for L.A. Mexican food, it was actually really fun. Well, it's Long Beach, not L.A., technically. It was really, really fucking good. I, we played there a bunch of times. I always had a really, really good time at Taco Beach. So cheers, Taco Beach and uh, Todd Conglieri of uh, Toys at Kelly. Thank you very much, okay? By the time we played at Taco Beach, uh, having been the 4th of July weekend and everything, I had been drinking pretty much straight all kind of all day and night for two or three days. I'm, don't they call that a bender? Yeah, that's called a bender, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was pretty much fucked by that point. I kind of lost it at the end of the night. I remember, like, talking shit to Davey. I was calling him a martyr and just totally being an asshole for no reason. In those days, I think I was falling apart a little bit mentally, physically, kind of everything. And that's the very first time I remember, like, really just kind of losing it talking shit to somebody that I loved and like borderline having a mental breakdown for almost no reason whatsoever. I, I drank a lot back then for sure. I really did. And that didn't help. That's probably the cause. So I went off on Davey after the show. I apologize the next day, but geez, man, do you know how sometimes you'll go back and kind of revisit things from the past or a memory and say to yourself, well, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that time, that was kind of the beginning of the end for this, like this, like a relationship or something like that. Then I'm telling you, after that Taco Beach show, I think that was my first, you know, indication like, oh, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me and Tilt Wheel for a while anyway, for quite a bit longer than my previous resignations had had been for sure. Uh, you know, my body wasn't happy the way I was treating it. All those years of drinking like an asshole, staying up all night, drinking in the morning, that 6 a.m. bar, yeah, that was actually a thing. Ouch. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. It's ouch. I'll cover more of that in the next Tilt Wheel episode for sure for the year 2005. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. 
So that wild and wacky 4th of July came and went. The next adventure and the last adventure of this episode was Fest number three. Yes, the Gainesville Fest number three. Back to Gainesville. Now it's part two for the Davey, Bob, and Paul version of Tilt Wheel as the Tilt Wheel version that played Fest number one was the Mark, Chris, and Davey, or Texas Tilt Wheel. Things started off at that fest pretty good, I think, yeah. We we definitely went with a bigger crew than we had the previous year. Something like 10 or 15 of our friends came with us or something like that. You know, the more the merrier kind of thing. Uh, we pre-fested in Tampa, Florida at Skate Park of Tampa. A good show. Got really drunk. Yeah, fun, right? Okay. Drove to Gainesville from Tampa the next day. Well, good, good. Ate boiled peanuts for the very first time. And boiled peanuts are delicious. Trust me. They sound disgusting. They're fucking really good. Boiled peanuts, if you ever get a chance. The only place I've ever had them is in Florida, but I'm sure you can get them in, like, Georgia and South Carolina and stuff, too. All Like the South, you know? We had a room at the Gainesville Lodge for the entire weekend of the fest, Friday through Sunday, and we almost got kicked out of that room the very first night of fest. The very, very first night. The Gainesville Lodge the year before, in 2003, People were partying and whatever. No big deal. So that's why we got a room there. We're like, it's really close to where all the shows were for Fest. You know, it's only like a couple, maybe two, three blocks, something like that. People were partying, hanging out in 2003. You know, they were festing. They were having a good time. So we go, okay, well, let's book a room at Gainesville Lodge again. 2004, uh, it got a little crazier. Fest was definitely getting bigger. A lot more people were there. Almost the entire population of Gainesville Lodge were fest goers. I mean, somebody jumped off the roof of the fucking part of the hotel into the pool. Like, oh boy. And that was kind of that. I mean, I remember we were all hanging out, partying that very first night, the Friday night of fest. Woo, you know, I don't even think it was that late. It was probably like 12 o'clock or something. Well, I guess that's kind of late. Dude jumps off the roof into the fucking pool. You know, that's it. All right, shut it down. I'm calling the cops. The owner of the hotel started going around, kicking everybody fucking the fuck out that was partying, told everybody, go back to your rooms. I'm going to come back around in a little bit. If I hear even a peep of noise out of your room, you're out of here. You're kicked out. We're like, oh, fuck. Okay. So we got down in our room. We hunkered down, tried to be really, really quiet. But two of the very, very drunk gentlemen that were in our room almost got us kicked out too. They wouldn't fucking shut up. I'm not going to name any names. Jay Wang and Travis from Dukes of Hillsborough. Um, I'm not a dick like that. Yeah, we <laughs> we made it through the night. They did shut up enough, and we did make it through the night. The next day, we were like, ah, fuck this place. We're out of here. We went to a hotel that was kind of far away from Fest, which was fine. We could take a cab there and back, whatever. There were no big parties there. We wouldn't get kicked out. Cool. But Gainesville Lodge, seriously? Man, y'all fucked up. You guys did. You fucked up. They kicked almost the entire population of that hotel out for the entire weekend, and I'm sure they lost shit. Well, now that I think about it, I was going to say, I'm sure they lost a bunch of money. Maybe not. I bet you they fucking kept those people's money. Oh, yeah. they're Dude, the people that run that hotel are kind of assholes. Be warned, if you're going to fest, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't want to do anything that, you know, get me pinned for libel or anything, but... Uh, there are better places to stay in Gainesville than Gainesville Lodge. Trust me. Maddie, Joey, and Maddie's wife of Tilt Wheel stayed at the Lodge this year. 
And he said it was cool. It's okay. But man, that room was a fucking shithole, dude. Shithole. Stay at another hotel. Don't stay at Gainesville Lodge for Fest. Uh, and don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> See, I think the thing is, the people that own Gainesville Lodge, they're not as good at business as I am. Yeah, I, they should see how, how tight of a ship I run on this podcast and kind of go from there. Take some notes, Gainesville Lodge. You know, if you want to hire me as a consultant, I am available. So, you know, um, I can help straighten things out for you. Yeah, no, I don't want anything to do with Gainesville Lodge. Well, we fested Saturday day and night, went to a pool party. They had a giant slip and slide and drank, 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 drank. By Sunday, uh, I was pretty worn out, pretty fested out. I settled down. I took it easy. We had to play at 1.15 a.m. on the Sunday night. We were one of the very last bands to play fest that year. That happened to us several years in a row. Yes, the fest people did that shit to us on purpose. Hey, you know, let's put Tilt Wheel on very, very, very last. They'll be drinking all fucking weekend. They'll be fucked. It'll be hilarious. Oh, yeah, setting us up for failure. Haha. Guess what? Fest 3 was one of our best fest sets ever. We were fucking on point. We played really, really good. None of us were too drunk. Yeah, thank you very much. Trying to trick us into being too drunk for your entertainment. Am I here to entertain you? I'm starting to quote fucking Gladiator now. Oh, Jesus. Time to end this show here real quick. Yeah, Fest 3 was one of our best fest sets ever. And uh, other than that, I don't really have a lot of memories of it. It was just like a good time. I don't know. It was okay. Yeah, whatever. We played in Ebor City before leaving Florida on the Monday after Fest. And, you know, again, it was fun. Kind of nothing worth talking about for the next five minutes. So that's it. I'm going to leave off there. Yeah, why not? Why not? 2004. We played a lot of fucking shows in 2004, especially around home, around San Diego. I covered most of the traveling we did, most if not all of it, honestly. But at home, oh, my God. We played so much. We played Scolari's Office, Chasers, House Parties, but Scolari's and Chasers, we played more than anywhere else. The, those two places were like our home base in 2004. Here's a final note. This is what I'm going to leave you with. It's actually a pretty funny story, too. We were playing at Scolari's one night. We were playing last. It was the usual thing for Tilt Wheel. You know, headliners. Yeah, mm, Tilt Wheel, the headliners. It was getting late. In our set, and and by the clock, I should say as well, the owner of the bar, a very fine lady by the name of Sandy, uh, Sandy of the Silver Mullet, came up and told us, hey, you guys, one more song. Okay, fine. Okay. Well, we played two more songs after that. Yeah. Sandy, uh, flat top mullet and all, was not very happy with this and told us so. She came up and said, what's the name of your band? And one of us said Slayer. Yes, Sandy, the name of our band is Slayer. Sandy then shouted, shouted out to the crowd. Everybody hear that? Slayer is banned from Scolari's for life. Yep, Slayer, Slayer is banned from Scolari's for life. Well, it's a good thing our name is Tillwheel, isn't it? We totally fooled her. Thank you so very, very much for listening. That was a good time and fun as usual. I do have to say the tilt wheel histories are really great for me. I fucking love this shit. I come up, these memories like come bubbling out of my head as I'm doing it. I'm going into it thinking, fuck, I don't have enough to talk about. I'm going to have to cover like two years. I Originally, this, this podcast was going to cover 
2004 and 2005, I started writing it. And by the time I was halfway done with the punk rock bowling part, I was like, oh shit, no, 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 I'm good. I can just do 2004. But that's how it goes. All these memories come back and fuck, some of this shit's pretty hilarious. I really do though. I really hope you enjoy these stories of Tilt Wheel, these histories as much as I enjoy kind of reliving them in my head. It's fucking great. I really, really love it. Next up in the Tilt Wheel history stuff is part nine, which will cover the years 2005, which was my last year in Tilt Wheel for five years. Yes, like my little vacation that I kind of mentioned earlier, a five-year vacation, Eh, closer to four. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We're going to leave it at that until next time. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again so, so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. I am going to leave you with a Tilt Wheel song. Fuck you, yams. Here it is. Thanks again.